broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anna and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. At this point, no. At this point, I, I, I know Gardner a little bit. I'm, he came in yesterday. We spent had a good visit. That's the second time I spent time with him. This is all kind of new to me. I'm used to spending about five, six hours a day with our quarterback. January and February is the days to get your quarterback ready to go, and you can't do that in the, in the NFL. So you know, there's a lot of anticipation about the first pick, and I understand you know there's a lot of conversation out there, but there's been no decisions made. Gardner's done some very good things here, and he's a competitive maniac, which I really appreciate that about him. So there's been no decisions made. Uh, yesterday was the first lengthy meeting we had, and we're going to continue that here for the next few weeks. That is Urban Meyer this morning, breakfast with Urban, when talking about Gardner Minshew and his future in Jacksonville. Remember now, a couple of days ago, we discussed it. There were some reports that teams had inquired about trading for Gardner Minshew. In what capacity, we have no idea. I continue to say, were those teams calling the Jags? Was it the Jags calling other teams? Was it the camp of Minshew trying to reach out and say, hey, if you got a job we can fight for, we'll go get it? Uh, because maybe they would be unhappy staying in Jacksonville. So I don't know which one it is. Um, maybe it simply is just other teams reaching out. But Urban Meyer tended to say today that, no, teams haven't reached out and called. So I don't know what the report was or where it came from or why it was out there. But regardless, Urban Meyer says, hey, basically for now he's he's on a roster, and I, I enjoy being around the guy. Uh, I do one day want to be called a competitive maniac. I think that would be kind of a nice thing for somebody to say about you. Uh, He said it now about Trevor Lawrence. He said it now about Gardner Minshew as well. I think in all the transparency we talk, if we really want to be honest, uh, (laughs) Herbin did say there's been no decisions made on the quarterback stuff. I think in respect to Gardner Minshew, he has to say that and is saying that and keeping every door open as we are five weeks or so away from the NFL draft. But I think decisions have been made about what they are doing with that number one overall pick. Any insight today from what Urban just said about uh, Gardner Minshew on the question we really asked the last couple of days, Austin? Do you think he will be on the roster in the fall? Did any, did today's comments by Urban Meyer do anything uh, to lean you one way or another? Yeah, I mean, they're always going to take calls. Um, it would be foolish not to take calls. Now, the the deal has to make sense. And I've been on the philosophy where if you can get a fourth rounder for him, um, then maybe you pull that trigger. But if, it, if we're talking like a sixth round pick or a late fifth round pick, that's essentially what you got him for. And to me, that's bad business. That's bad. And I put it in, in quotes. That's bad value. So unless you get, you know, a pretty good deal for Benchu, I'm not saying it's off the table quite yet. But if you got to keep him, you got to keep him. And I don't think a team is going to be willing to part ways with a fourth round pick per se. Um, you know, just because like we have to see how the draft shakes out and all that stuff. But yeah, if I could be called, what was it? A competitive? What was it again? Maniac. Yeah, a competitive maniac. That would. Uh, if I could put that on my LinkedIn page, that would be <laughs> yeah. fantastic. I mean, I think the only thing I ever got called was an American Psycho, and that's from Luke Richardson, who was like our strength coach. He he called me an American Psycho one time because I guess of the way I was putting up weight. I hope I don't that's know why. That's a pretty I was good like, compliment. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I mean, maniac itself is one one. thing, but there's something that really punctuates it when you say competitive maniac. Yeah, yeah. Like, I hope my kids are competitive maniacs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That'll be all Steph's doing, though, instead of me, if that's the case. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if I learned a whole heck of a lot about 
uh, Gardner Minshew. I think I said this week on the show that I believe he will be on the roster in the fall. I think it all shakes out. I think Gardner Minshew's the backup quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars. My only hesitation, and I got asked this question again last night uh, by someone after our show, and my only hesitation is I just don't know how he feels about being here. And I could see why he would be a little less than thrilled about being here, if I'm being honest. If I was in his shoes after last year, the way all that went down, the limited chance that he got to really show his stuff, uh, the dysfunction that has been in Jacksonville these last couple of years since he's been on the roster. And uh, now the idea that I know I'm sitting behind the future quarterback of this football team with probably not much of a chance to even start right away and then bring that guy along, you know, so I could hold him off, because I don't even think that's the situation here. If you presented me the situation and said, hey, Gardner, what we'd like to do is we're probably going to draft this young guy, man. He's a big talent, but we don't want to play him right away. So we want you to do the best you can to hold him up for, for a lo- as long as you can. Now, I might sign up for I'm going to probably sign up for that if I'm Gardner Minshew. I don't think that's what's going on, Austin. I think there is, hey, go battle it out. If you're the better guy and we think we can win with you, you got to say that as a coach. But I don't think they have any plans to play anybody else but Trevor Lawrence day one, game one here in Jacksonville. No, without a doubt. I mean, the... Reading's on the wall for Gardner Minshew, ironically, and it's not just him because it's a team game, but if he wouldn't have went 1-7 and seven this past year, then we, we wouldn't be talking about Trevor Lawrence right now. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I mean, and once again, with all due respect to Gardner Minshew, I love the dude, I love what he's all about, but I mean, a lot of this falls on him, you know, and, and it's kind of the bed that you made, so it is what it is. Now, how does Gardner Minshew feel about being in Jacksonville? That I'm not sure of, because I don't know how he feels about Urban Meyer. It's a brand new regime. Um, it's a bunch of new coaches that he hasn't worked with yet. So, I don't know how he feels. Does he want to be a starter? Yeah, probably, because he's that competitive, and, and I, th- I think he deserves to think that way. I think after his, his, his first year in the league, um, and all the optimism that we all had about him, like I still think that's there, and it should be there. He should still have that chip on his shoulder. But you're naive if you think if you're Gardner Minshew that you're going to be the starting quarterback for the Jaguars anymore. I guess the real question comes, and I don't have the answer for you, is if he can be the starter someplace else going into 2021. And I'm not sure if he can because, once again, let the draft shake out first, right? Let free agency take place first. And then when it all when, when the dust settles and the smoke clears, I'm not sure if Minshew's going to be left with a starting spot on any team. So if that's the case and you have that conversation with yourself, then you might as well stay where you know, and you might as well stay where you're comfortable, and that's Jacksonville. I always think, and I say this a lot, and, and you know, we, we talk about it, I think, quite a bit, but like the 30 for 30 I would sign up for to see is the quarterback room, the relationship, the dynamic, the good, the bad, the, hey, we all got along, uh-oh, we didn't, you know? I, I really think that room is the most fascinating room in sports. I, I can't find anything else like it. In, in sports, like, you know, you might have a pitcher in baseball. Obviously, you got one guy, and he could go the entire game, but he's still only pitching once a week. You know, if you're shortstop, you still have a backup shortstop, a guy that could probably play second as well or can come in at DH or, or he can come play defense in the eighth inning. You know, there's ways to use your roster in baseball. You can use all 12. It's seldom do you, but you can use all 12 in basketball. You can use different lines. In, in hockey, you can use different rotations in football or 
somebody always gets hurt anyway, so you seemingly have to have depth, and the guy usually gets an opportunity. Like, even the offensive line, your backup offensive lineman usually gets in during the course of a season. The backup quarterback, to sign up for what, essentially what Gardner Minshew will be likely here in Jacksonville if he stays, is a guy that you can't promise anything to him. You can promise a few practice reps if you play preseason games, and that's it. You know, that is all you can promise. He could, for the next two years under his contract, be in Jacksonville and never play a snap. And you just don't say that about many positions in sports, if any positions in sports. And so it creates this dynamic in the room that I've always had this curiosity about is why, man, you really respect the guy, you root for the guy, your peers, like you don't want to wish anything bad, but at the same time you're like, I want my opportunity. How do you wrestle with that? internally in your own mind where you could help bring a young guy along but you still want your chance because you're still a young guy that feels like it can get done and until you get to the point where Austin you're like Chad Henney or maybe even you're Ryan Fitzpatrick but even I think like a Mark Brunel late in his career heck we just who was it Matt Schaub who was basically resigned to the fact that they're going to be backup guys and, and holding a clipboard that is a tough position to be in because you want your spot, you want your chance. I can do this. Like, I can be better than you think I am, yet you may never get your chance to do it. And that is about the position where Gardner Minshew, if he stays in Jacksonville, is about to be put in. Yes and no, though, because he's had 23 games to show is he the guy or not. And I think that we've learned a lot in those 23 games. Now, once again, injuries are a factor. The team dynamic is a factor. Like, he didn't get any help from the defense. Um, you know, he gets help from the offense, but obviously the defense did him zero favors. So there is a little bit of a sample size. It's it's not to me like a Josh Rosen situation where Josh Rosen was taken in the first round. He goes to Arizona, and then all of a sudden he's gone because, well, Kyler Murray's coming in. Yeah. And then he goes to Miami because he'd be playing what? two games, and then he's gone from there. Like, Josh Rosen, to me, is the classic example of you never knew what you had because the sample size was too small. From Gardner Minshew's perspective, you got a guy who was taken in the sixth round who, who was played in 23 games. You know, now, I think the record speaks for itself where he's, well, he's played in 23 games. He's got a 7-13. and 13, I'm trying to see the record right now, what he is overall. He's 7-13 and 13 overall. So, three of those games, he came in off the bench, I guess that you would say. I, I don't know, Brent. You know, I mean, it would be an interesting watch for sure because every quarterback room is obviously different. And I've, without the without the risk of echoing myself too much on Wednesday, there does come a time. There comes a time where you're a backup quarterback and you accept that. And then there's a time where you still want to be the starting quarterback and teams bring you on um, in terms of a true competition and to, in terms to see, all right, who's going to be the guy? You know, because they always say pressure burst pipes or make diamonds. So, like, I like that for Gardner Minshew. I'm not sure if he's there, though. I really don't know where he sits right now and what teams think about him. Because I see a guy, once again, who's played in 23 games. I kind of know what he brings to the table. But I also see a guy where if you put him in a quarterback room and it's a true competition, well, then he can maybe elevate his play. He can maybe make those guys around him better. So for Gardner Minshew, it's all about situation. But the problem with the situation is there's always a turnover in the NFL at any position. And this year with this quarterback draft, there's going to be a turnover at the quarterback position in terms of guys becoming backups and guys becoming starters. And I just don't know where Gardner Minshew fits in all of that. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know where he fits in the NFL. You know, I talked about this. I was thinking about this yesterday when we were talking about quarterbacks. And I've said this now. I think there are more 
good quarterbacks or better quarterbacks. The overall play at every level of football is way better than it's ever been. Uh, and I'm not talking about the elite of the elite. I'm talking about the overall product of the QB position. There are more good quarterbacks that you're like, I think this guy can be something than ever before. So much so that I think even teams are starting to find their reliable backups in the NFL. And that doesn't mean they're all right about the quarterback they have. There's Sam Darnold, who the Jets don't really know maybe, but they have a guy they think they might know, or Tua. You know, there's those situations where the book hasn't been written on them, but they're at least comfortable giving them an opportunity. And Sam Darnold probably not a good example there because they could trade him away. Um, but it's, it's really uh, an interesting dilemma for, for Minshew because there's just not a lot of vacancies everywhere else to even say, I could go there and be the guy. I could go there and be the guy. And therefore, that could make him tough to even trade if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, as well. The QB spot continues to be one of the most fascinating in uh, all of sports. Hey, uh, speaking of, well, I don't know if fascinating is the right word. Interesting is, and speaking of QBs, Deshaun Watson's situation in Houston has been one to watch. What we didn't see coming is what's happened this week. More allegations, Austin, in the Deshaun Watson situation. Now seven women have come out and claimed, uh, let me make sure I got the, the right lingo here so I don't get anybody in trouble. But what do you make of the Deshaun Watson situation right now? The NFL is investigating. Four more lawsuits filed against Watson today alleging similar inappropriate conduct and sexual assault to the previous three that had been filed. It brings the total to seven lawsuits filed against Watson by a Houston attorney. David Mulligetta, Watson's agent, uh, tweeted this a couple hours ago. Sexual assault is real. Victims should be heard. Offenders prosecuted. Individuals fabricate stories in pursuit of financial gain. Often, their victims should be heard, and those offenders also prosecuted. I simply hope we keep the same energy with the truth. When this first came out, it felt a little odd. Uh, it's getting more and more bizarre. Yeah, it's getting very bizarre. Um, you know, and and the timing of it, obviously is the reason why it's bizarre. We have a guy in Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, who's been in the news a lot just because of what's happening in Houston. And he doesn't want to play there, though, and that's been one of the big talking points, um, you know, the entire offseason is what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. And then all of a sudden, you know, a, a bunch of allegations come out, uh, and, you know, more than, I mean, uh, a bunch of people accusing him um, of, you know, sexual misconduct. So, it's an interesting thing that's happening right now with Deshaun Watson. Listen, I, I'm from the belief that you're innocent until proven guilty. But at the same time, these are serious allegations, and every single allegation needs to be taken seriously, without a doubt. No ands, ifs, or buts about it. So, you know, it, it's hard for me to say, well, he's innocent or guilty. I don't know the details behind these allegations, but it's just the whole timing of it, man. You know, I'd be lying if I didn't say it's it's definitely peculiar. And why is this all coming out now when we see Deshaun Watson in the news so much regarding how he feels about Houston? Yeah, and I'm going with the innocent until proven guilty, which we always should do. But this kind of reeks of it a little bit more, um, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know if I have the right read or not. But, uh, you know, a lot of people who look into this stuff will say the civic versus the uh, or the civil suit versus the criminal suit here is something to keep an eye on because that usually can tend to lead to a money grab of sorts. Um, but you also don't want to dismiss allegations like this. So I think uh, the Sean Watson situation is really bizarre right now with this popping up at this time where I really thought, Austin, the Watson watch would be on, 
right, in terms of where he could end up even in these next couple of days. Uh, this might delay that a little bit with what any move that Houston could potentially make. Well, yeah, you know, and and if you really want to be a conspiracy theorist about all this, I mean, obviously, when these allegations come out, this can hamper Deshaun Watson from going anywhere else because the last thing teams want to do right now is bring Deshaun Watson on a big-time trade with all these allegations going around. So all this stuff needs to clear up first, I feel like, before he goes anywhere else. Who knows how long this is going to take? Like, he he may be a Houston Texan by default because this could go in the court. We don't know like where this is going to go. This could go in the courts. This could be a trial. This could go for a while. And if that's the case, Deshaun Watson not going anywhere. He's going to be a Texan by default. Now, whether or not he chooses to play, that's going to be on him. But in terms of Deshaun Watson wanting to get out of Houston and go to a different team, this is going to prevent him from doing that. Hey, let's uh, go get a little more knowledge about the NFL in terms of the Jags, but maybe even jump in on the Deshaun Watson situation from a football playing standpoint at the very least. And we head to NFL Network's Bucky Brooks. He joins us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 right now. Bucky, thanks for taking some time, man. We appreciate it here on a Friday. Hope you're keeping one eye on the bracket, by the way. We are, too. Uh, but what do you? what's your take uh, on Deshaun Watson this week? And I don't know what your thoughts are on him exiting Houston or staying in Houston anyway, where do you think he plays football in the fall? Well, I mean, I, I think it's obviously muddy now with all the allegations and things that are swirling. We have to see how that plays out. Uh, it certainly clouds the trade situation and trade market form because you just don't know what is going to happen, particularly if the NFL gets into the investigation. Is there going to be a suspension and all these other things? And so uh, I just think it kind of puts a pause on everything. And then for him, I think it's still the same situation. Is he going to report to Houston? Is he not? How is he going to play this out? The leverage is really with the team because if he doesn't show up in the punitive fines, at some point they can recoup uh, up, upwards of $21 million of the signing bonus that was paid out last year, which is $27 million. And so there's still a lot of stuff that was in play. I think it just kind of like it just clouds the entire situation because I felt like the trade thing was more a bigger media thing than actuality because they said they weren't going to trade him. They held all the cards when it came to the trade situation. Really, it was what was going to happen as we got closer to the draft. But now with all this other stuff, I would firmly anticipate him being the protection until that situation blows over. Bucky, yeah, that could be really interesting, by the way, to keep an eye on Austin because, again, I mean, you get closer and closer to the draft. You want to be able to know what you're doing if you're some of these organizations. No, without a doubt, uh, Bucky. Like, where? I mean, and you know, let's let's assume that these, let's assume that Deshaun Watson's innocent. Um, this whole thing blows over, and we will start talking about Deshaun Watson whether he wants to leave or not. Where Deshaun Watson sits right now, because I share the philosophy that I think Deshaun Watson has a lot more power than the Houston Texans because he has the trump card to say, you know what? If if the NFLPA is going to allow me to sit out a year and opt out, I'm going to do that. And then essentially what's going to happen is Deshaun Watson sitting out, and then we have to do, go do, through the whole thing next year again if they don't trade him away. So do you feel like the Houston Texans have more power than Deshaun Watson, or do you think Deshaun Watson has the power right now? The Texans have all the power. Like Deshaun doesn't have any power when it comes to this. He has a no-trade clause, which is cool, but he doesn't have any power when it comes to it because all the money um, has been paid out to him. He won't receive another dime until the regular season starts. So unless he is willing to sit out and take a hard sit out, then he can do it. But, like, it doesn't necessarily hurt the Texans. The Texans basically signed Tyrod Taylor as an insurance policy. So if Deshaun wants to sit out and not collect money, 
that's his prerogative, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the Texans have to um, relinquish his rights and trade him away because he doesn't want to play. I think if you're the Texans, you have a 25-year-old franchise quarterback, those don't come along. You hold on to your quarterback, um, especially because he's coming off his best season and he's only 25. Yeah, no, you play this out. You have to play hardball with with Deshaun Watson in this situation. Uh, That's what Houston publicly has said they're going to do. Bucky Brooks with us here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau, we got a couple former Jags players here. Uh, Former Jag Austin Lane, co-host of the show. Former Jag Bucky Brooks as well. So, hey, you guys haven't been any part of reunion or anything, right, Uh, with the Jags? We've got to get one of those together. (laughs) Yeah, not yet. Not yet. No no reunion yet, but maybe so. I'm just trying to to get back in the press box, Brent. One step at a time, man. Let's go. Hey, Bucky, I know you do some work with Jaguars.com. And, by the way, apologies for J.P. Shatterick, John Osier, and the rest of them that you have to deal with all the time over there. But you do a fantastic job. What's your take on uh, what Urban Meyer, Trent Baalke, and the Jags did the last week? Well, I mean, I think there was a common thing. Uh, uh, Urban kind of let us know how he was going to go about the process where they talked about familiarity in the position room. And you saw a lot of connections to the coaching staff and the front office staff with the guys that they signed. Um, they want to know who they're bringing in because they're trying to change the culture. They're trying to create a different competitive environment in the locker room. And so I don't think it was a coincidence that these guys that have been brought in, the prominent free agents, have some tie to some of the coaches on the staff. And so now it's about figuring it out, putting it together, figuring out who are you going to tell you? Like, we presume that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the pick at quarterback. But what other marquee draft picks can you bring in? Um, just a lot. It's a work in progress. But I certainly like what Coach Maya and Balky are doing. Were you surprised how Urban Myers kind of handled the, the, the press conferences so far? Because I sure was. You know, I thought I had a preconceived notion um, of what Urban Myers is going to bring to the table. And I thought it was going to be a guy in his first year that was going to keep things close to the chest, not divulge any information. But I think Urban Myers done a great job of keeping fans in the loop a little bit um, and keeping fans up to date. Do you feel the same way, or do you expect this from him coming out of college? No, I kind of expected it from him. I think once he got into the media world and once he lived that life, I think he understands what it's about. I also think what he's trying to do is he's trying to build a brand in Jacksonville. And that brand, the bigger the brand, the more appealing it is to future players. And so he wants it to be a big deal. And remember, he's a megastar. He's won at every level. Like He's he's won at college at every stop. He understands that there's a lot of light that's on him. And I think as a competitor – he is okay with that. So I didn't think he was going to be, like, reserved and shy and secretive. I think he wants everyone to understand what could be down in Jacksonville. He wants Jacksonville to be very appealing because he talked about it. He wants it to be a destination. He wants it to be a destination for free agents. He wants draftees to want to aspire to play there. And so he's trying to build the brand. And so the way that you do it is you're transparent and you kind of feed the frenzy of the fans to let them know, like, hey, we're going to do great things here in Jacksonville. I think that's what he's trying to do. Bucky Brooks with us here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Follow along on Twitter with Bucky at, at Bucky Brooks, B-U-C-K-Y, Brooks. And Bucky is also the host of the Move the Sticks podcast along with Daniel Jeremiah. And we love the work DJ does as well with NFL Network. Bucky, how fast can they get this thing cooking because of Trevor Lawrence alone. Uh, obviously, Urban doesn't like to lose. See, he's going to try to win and win quickly. Uh, but sometimes turning around 1-15 could take some time. How much is this fast-tracked, in your opinion, because of Trevor? Well, I mean, I think, I think Trevor's a, an excellent player, excellent prospect. But I don't think they're going to put it all on Trevor. 
I think the mistake that will be made if we think that Trevor Lawrence is going to wipe away a decade of futility just because he shows up. That's not it. The way that I describe Trevor is Trevor is Justin Herbert plus. Whatever you saw from Justin Herbert with the Chargers this year, I think they're very, very similar. But I believe Trevor is a little more electric in terms of the way that he plays and those things. I think it's really important that the pieces around him are right. The offensive line, which they did a good job of keeping that intact, that they figure out a way to have a a running game. So Trevor doesn't have to throw it 40 times a game his rookie season. If they can manage the game and kind of keep him where the pitch count is anywhere 25 to 35 pass attempts a game, they got playmakers on the outside, and if they can get the defense up to snuff, I think being close to six, seven wins rookie season would be great because then it sets you up to really have a major jump in the second year. But before you came on the show, we were talking about a little bit of, you know, the importance of a backup quarterback and, and what does that mean to the growth and development um, of your primetime guy coming in like Trevor Lawrence. And I believe that, you know, if they choose to keep Gardner Minshew, that's fine. I think Trevor Lawrence is good enough where he doesn't need, uh, you know, a veteran backup quarterback to teach him things. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to kind of learn on the fly and show off his skill set. Like, do you want to see a guy like Alex Smith or, or some of the experience come in and kind of show him the ropes a little bit? Or do we put too much stake sometimes in the veteran backup quarterback where it's like, if this guy's good, he's going to be good regardless of who he has backing him up? No, you need a veteran behind him that can teach him how to play. I think Alex Smith, I'm going to represent Alex Smith to me as the perfect one, not only because Alex has lived that life and walked in his shoes. He's been a former number one overall pick. He's played for Coach Meyer. Uh, at Utah. He struggled early in his career before finding his way. He mastered the art of winning because when you look at the last five to seven years, all he did was win. San Francisco, Kansas City, even with the Washington football team. He's a winner. And so I would like someone in the room to show Alex how to go about the preparation process, how to think about the game, how to focus more on the little things that lead to wins more so than the individual honors. I would rather go that route than to have like Garner Minshew or a young quarterback in the quarterback room who couldn't necessarily offer the same kind of wisdom that Alex Smith would be able to. Yeah, that's interesting. I kind of uh, <laughs> I don't disagree with you either. I like the Alex Smith or a veteran guy. I just don't know if we're going to get that. I'm not convinced we're going to see that in Jacksonville. Bucky Brooks with us here, NFL Network analyst on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 here on a Friday afternoon. All right, let me leave you with this one. The wide receiver market has been a strange one, Bucky. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, only a one-year deal to Pittsburgh. Have you been a bit surprised at the lack of movement, lack of big deals, with the wide receivers in the NFL, and is that just a result of so much depth the last couple of years and even this coming year in the draft? Uh, I think it's a byproduct of a couple of things. I think the wide receivers that were on the market, I don't know if they struck me as superstars that would command that kind of money, like big-time money. I didn't see them as Odell Beckham Jr. types, you know, Michael Thomas types. I don't think they had those kinds of resumes. I think you had a lot of guys that you were projecting to go from the number two role to the number one role, which is why you saw Juju Smith-Schuster sign for the deal to be signed because he only averaged eight yards of catch. Like, how much money are you willing to fork over for someone who doesn't necessarily move the change consistently or isn't a big play threat? But they also are hampered by the fact that I believe wide receivers are just like running backs. Like, there's been this movement to not draft a running back in the first round. I don't believe you need to draft a wide receiver in the first round because there's so many. You can find them on day two. You can find guys on day two that can come into the league immediately and start. Michael Thomas, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, the list goes on and on and on. And because teams are realizing that you can find this 
like these playmakers at every level of the draft that can hit it right away. I think they're saying we're not going to pay veterans unless you are a star at wide receiver, and we may not commit uh, a top draft pick to you because we know that we can find someone that can come in and make an immediate impact, and it doesn't necessarily need to be a first round. Bucky Brooks, NFL Network analyst, uh, you going to keep up the work with Jaguars.com this upcoming season? Yeah, I hope so. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun reconnecting with the Jack. All right. Uh, well, hopefully we'll be able to listen to you and watch you there as well. Uh, here's the deal. Here's a little bit of advice, Bucky. Uh, and I know you don't know us well. You can hang out with JP and John Osher and those guys. But if you go into the bar, you might want to come with us. Those guys have alligator arms. <laughs> I'll remember that. I'll make sure I ask JP and those guys about that as well. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, man. Have a great weekend. Enjoy it. We appreciate your time. All right. Thanks so much. All right, Bucky Brooks here on Action Sports Checks on ESPN 690. Uh, that is true, by the way. They do have alligator arms, especially Osher. Uh, and Ouch. Shots Austin, fired. Austin, here's the deal. What up? The problem I didn't want to tell him, if he comes to the bar with us, there's yeah. a really good chance he probably ends up in a fight. That's no, because of you, not me. Dude, what are you? No, man, I'm the most easygoing person at a bar. What are you talking about? <laughs> don't put my business out there like that when it's false. Come on, man. Okay, well, it's probably more about me. I'll probably act like the tough guy because I got 6'6", 245 yeah, right now. Now you're feeling too confident, right? If someone comes in rocking a Michael Jordan jersey, you say something about Larry Bird, and now we're fighting. It's on. It's Game on. on. Yeah. Just don't. Just make sure Blaine Gabbert's not driving. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yes. Uh, we check up on our brackets coming up, and I've got a situation for you, and I want to – got to play basketball coach, okay? You, you're an AAU guy. Sure. We're going to play basketball coach in a situation. I want to know which side you stand on. It's coming up with some updates from the NCAA tournament day one. Remember, you can hear Florida State tomorrow afternoon right here on ESPN 690, your home for the Knowles in football and basketball. The Knowles trying to make a run here in March. We'll be back on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. They probably already have one. Cornholing. Austin Lane. <laughs> you can have a call from PR in a little bit here. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It wasn't recent, but it was back when we were living in Gainesville, Florida. So our special guest, Dad, there's this thing called Gator Growl. A musician or a band usually comes in and performs for a big crowd of people. And so dad was just finishing up practice. And it was me, dad, mom was there. And so the manager of the band comes over to mom and says, hey, Leonard Skinner, that's who was playing that year, um, wants to meet coach. Leonard Skinner, everyone in the English-speaking language knows, like, who that is. All but one. (laughs) And so dad, mom, and I are walking over backstage to go meet them. As we're walking backstage, Dad goes, which one is he? Charlie Strong and I, we're, we're got a big name coming up, and I live in a cocoon, and so the band wanted to meet us. And so I said, what's the name of the band? And they said, Leonard Skinner. I didn't, I didn't recognize the name of the band, and so all of a sudden they're playing Sweet Home Alabama and some other great mm-hmm. songs. I said, oh, yeah, I understand that. Oh, yeah, that's great music. And we're walking over this little bridge, mm-hmm. and the manager, Charlie Strong, and myself are walking, and... And I said, man, they, these, these guys can't wait to meet you, coach. And I said, great. And I said, wow, that's great music. I go, which one is he? <laughs> and the manager looks at me and stops. And I don't think he said, you idiot, but I can tell his look said, that's the name of the band, not the person. <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff. <laughs> uh, by the way, maybe Herbs and I are more alike. <laughs> yeah, you very well might be, man. <laughs> I would have done I could have done something similar. Now, probably not with Leonard Skinner, but uh, <laughs> I could do that. The Beatles? Uh, yeah. No, 
No, you, you like, know Ringo is uh, and stuff if you saw Yeah, him. but I wouldn't know there was a difference between like the group name and like, uh, okay, which one is he kind of thing. But yeah. I, like, I could have certainly say which one is he for like, Paul McCartney probably. I mean, I know who that is, but uh, it, it could it would be blasphemous, no doubt about it. So, Urban Meyer, that is from, I believe, Kuz, you took this from uh, the Team Meyer podcast. Yes, his his and, daughter's podcast. Yeah, yeah Kuz is everywhere his, with this. Uh, he joined his da- daughter's uh, podcast, and so uh, that would be an interesting thing to follow. Team Meyer podcast. A lot of people in the podcast world and Urban Meyer uh, join him. Hopefully it wasn't tough to get Dad as a guest. <laughs> no, you think that would be kind of like the, the opening guest you would have. You know, that's where all the sponsorships start coming in. That's where Omaha Steak starts coming in I for will, the podcast. I will say that's they're seven episodes in before Dad gets on. So. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe it was tough to get Dad. You, know, you never know. I'm sure he comes with a pretty high price tag. Yeah, I wonder if they have to go through PR. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, kids, make a formal request. <laughs> that's awesome. That's good stuff. I wonder if... Uh, uh, I wonder how often they'll join them. I wonder how revealing that will be. Yeah. I thought about, you know, years ago, because the kids love talking sports, like Kaylee will talk sports too. And so I was like, you know what, this podcast thing kind of is fun. This be a fun thing to do. N- nothing like, hey, just try to go make money off it or whatever. It'd just be a fun thing to do with the kids. Get like Ty and Kaylee talking sports. Like maybe they do a kid podcast type thing, twin podcast. So I set it up uh, in the kitchen. And, like, I, I didn't set anything up, really. I just put, like, the phone out there and recorded. And I'm like, all right, guys, like, I'll tee you up. You guys talk some sports. Sure. You guys know Tyler and Kaylee. It was like Wasn't silence. happening, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. like, you can get them, if, if they're in the back of the car, especially when they were little, they're in the back seat, and the Jags just played a game, or the NCAA tournament's going on, whatever. I mean, Ty will be nonstop. Kaylee will talk baseball all the time. Like, she knows everybody's lineup and what's going on. They'll talk about it. Yeah. Throw the mic in front of it. They're like, no, I'm not doing this. Well, <laughs> so, maybe you can start work. recording when they're sitting in the back seat, man. Well, oh, I've we, done we, it. We know that the family vacation would start to hit, hit the microphone. Let them record a little bit. Oh, I've done I've done I have uh, Ty and a couple. I have to go, like, really find them, probably off old phones and wherever I put it. But I have, Ty, I have some really good Ty stuff. That I kind of re- recorded on because he's just like yapping away, man. Yeah. And, and one of them's like, uh, one, <laughs> I drilled Scobie one time. It was something about Scobie, but he was kind of ripping Scobie. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> had, oh, yeah. He had like missed a kick or something like that. And so, like, I don't, uh, I think I showed Scobie, but he's like seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dang. Oh, yeah. It was Tough fun. crowd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tough. He didn't know, like, you know, I mean, he wasn't playing. Was this when Scobie was in Pittsburgh or was it when he was in? No, he was with the Jags. It wasn't okay. that. It was, it was Cause, like, I mean, if he was in Pittsburgh, yeah, I, I, I guess so, you know. Yeah, but he, he quietly was, he, it wasn't like it was a constant ripping, but he, okay. and, like, as he's talking about the game, he kind of was like, yeah, what was that, John? <laughs> you know? <Jeez. laughs> yeah. So, uh,. Family podcast, man. It could be a thing. Not my family. Yeah. They know sports. They don't like to talk sports. Not when a microphone's hot. Well, I know the Golics have, like, their own family podcast. It's, like, ten of them, though. Yeah. That's a lot of microphones and a lot of airtime. Yeah, I think some of them can really be, uh, probably really good, you know? Really be good. And what do you want to reveal, though? You know, I think that would be an interesting one for the Myers. Although Urban's written so many books now that... I would imagine most of the things are out there. I mean, there's probably a lot that's not revealed and maybe won't be even on the podcast. But uh, I don't know. Kuz, did you listen to more of that podcast? Is it really more about them than it is about 
maybe like the family family background. I'm going to be honest. That was the very first thing they said on the podcast. Oh, it was okay. Yeah, so uh, I haven't gotten further than that. Well, it's called the Team Meyer Podcast. So uh, check it out, download it, subscribe it. I mean, free publicity right there uh, to to see. Uh, the latest from Urban Meyer. He is doing a lot of media. Good morning football this morning. Obviously, all these news conferences uh, certainly has not shied away from that. Uh, Urban Meyer has not. All right, I'll get into the tournament. I'll give you some scoring updates. And I do want to get to this coaching philosophy. You're the coach, Austin Lane. Kuz, you're the coach as well. Get ready to put your coaching hat on and rope the sidelines when we get back on ESPN 6 night. I don't. I didn't know Josh. That was uh, our personnel side that made that decision and ran it by me before we did it. I agreed, so I, I just didn't know a lot about him. And I know he's had some injuries since he's been here, and we decided to uh, make that move. That's Urban Meyer on Josh Oliver, Brent Martino down here in Southwest Florida, Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Shack studios here on a Friday. Hope you're doing well. Check out the. Uh, NCAA bracket coming up in a moment. Ohio State against the ropes now in the first round. They'll play the Gators in the second round if they advance, but they are in a close one against 15 seed Oral Roberts. Uh, we'll get to the tournament in just a moment. Real quick thought on Josh Oliver, Austin. That was an interesting explanation. I don't know how much of one it was, which often I think that means there's maybe a little bit more behind the scenes that they just don't want to reveal in terms of the way they viewed Josh Oliver. Uh, nobody wants to say anything bad about anyone. Uh, I'm just surmising that, but that was an interesting explanation on the trade to the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we broke it down a lot, and um, I just think that you know it it, it helps to see for yourself. It, it helps to see the sample for yourself. And with Josh Oliver, you haven't really seen anything because he's been injured. Now, whether that's a lack of you know preparation, um, maybe there's a mindset. I don't know. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that can go into it. But if I was a new coach coming in, I would want to see it for myself. And yeah, I get that you trust people with what they say, and maybe some of the the, the former regime or somebody said something about Josh Oliver. But at the same time, when I'm evaluating talent and I'm taking in the count every single guy on this roster, I need to see it for myself. And I haven't seen anything from Josh Oliver, so I might as well at least give him a chance to prove me wrong until he can't, and then we let him go because a seventh-round pick is a seventh-round pick. Hey, Gators taking overtime today because they did not foul while they were up by three points. Put your coach hat on. Where do you stand on this from a philosophical point of view? You're up by three late in the game, inside ten seconds, inside seven seconds, inside five seconds. Do you foul or do you let it play out? You're saying if, if I'm down, obviously I foul? No, you're up. You're up. You're up by three. Yeah. Do you foul, put them on the line so they can't shoot a three-pointer and tie it? Oh, I or, mean. Where do you fall in that philosophy? No, you're the coach. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to let him play it out. Really? Yeah. I foul. No, because then you, you get the risk of then they make the first one, miss the second one, and all of a sudden it, it's a close shot to the basket. Yeah. I'd rather play the, the, the odds and say, all right, you have to make a three-pointer from farther away. We're playing good defense. Well, these, this day and age, though, the three-pointer, the odds is like 40%, you know? I mean, that's well, not de- bad odds. Depends who's shooting it. Yeah, I know. That's true, too. Coos, I think a lot of people fall in your line, and I, a lot of Gator fans did at the moment. I think it can be dangerous, too, because if you fall in the act of shooting, now you might be in trouble as well. Uh, but I don't even think about it like that. I think fouling in that spot kind of hurts a little bit of the integrity of the game. Like, just, it's a... Let it play out. Play defense. Beat them. You know, don't try to craft a way to beat them. 
And, and that sounds like a loser mentality in a way because you can do it, and sometimes it's the best way to do it, and all that matters is you walk away with the W. But as a viewer, I kind of want to see them let it play. I hate when people fall in that situation. I also think it depends on, obviously, the time. Like if it, if it's, yeah, it's got to be like yeah. under five seconds. Right, you know? exactly. Yeah. So that you take any chance away. But, yes, the the even if there is a, you know, make the first one, miss the second, there's only a few seconds to really try to get something up. Well, it's hard to argue. I mean, the Gators should have done it because they gave up a tying three instead. It walked away with a win in overtime as well. We'll update you on the Ohio State game. Football at five coming up as well. One more hour of this free agency week here from Southwest Florida. The Action Sports Shack Studios back in Jacksonville right here on ESPN 690.